when it comes to inclusivity, always understand, and this is something that I live by, imp impact is equally, if not more important than intent. Welcome to Careers in Fashion. Welcome everyone to the LCF Careers in Fashion Entrepreneurship and Inclusivity Podcast. Today's conversation aims to help enable your startup business and freelancing aspirations by exploring the relevance of equity, diversity and inclusion in the world of modern entrepreneurship. Now, equity, diversity and inclusion are essential benchmarks to measure in any business. In this podcast, we all discussed what EDI means with industry thought leaders who are, who are active advocates in its many incarnations. Moreover, due to the shifting global social, political and environmental context in recent years, we have seen an influx of entrepreneurs and freelancers strengthen their approach towards embedding EDI into the DNA of their brands and businesses. But what does it mean to build an enterprise committed to embracing EDI? And what are the various pathways future founders and freelancers can take to innovatively and authentically better the lived experiences of their customers, clients, communities, and employees that they engage with? In this discussion, we hope to highlight the different yet valid and intersectional approaches to EDI that aspiring founders can emulate within their own entrepreneurial journeys and emphasize how advocacy of EDI can lend their businesses purpose and longevity whilst creating a positive social impact within local and global communities. So my name is Asia and I work at London College of Fashion as a Graduate Futures Enterprise Consultant. In my role, I help enable students and graduates to start their own businesses and develop their own freelance practices. So now I want to welcome today's panel. Joining me are thought leaders within the creative industry who are going to bring really great insight into why it's essential to consider EDI when building a business. So I'd like to hand it over to my guest speakers today. Would you each like to introduce yourselves? My name is Mario Sullivan-Abiratney. I'm the founder of Adaptista, which is an e-commerce, an inclusive e-commerce um, platform, uh, disability-led, and we're trying to change the perceptions of people with disabilities within the fashion and retail sectors. Hi, uh, my name is Ashley Alone. Uh, I'm a senior EDI consultant. And I work at Creative Equals, which is uh, an inclusion consultancy. Uh, I've worked across many, many businesses in loads of different sectors. Uh, and I've also been one of the key founders of um, Diversity Strategy, which is about embedding uh, a DEI lens uh, within the strategy function, whether that be in sort of marketing or consulting. Um, yeah, that's that's me. Thanks. Thanks for, thanks for having me. <laughs> Great. Thank you both. Uh, I think, yeah, your experiences and your insights are going to be so useful to our audience today. So thank you both for joining me. Uh, I want to jump straight in and start talking about embracing EDI. Uh, so the necessity for equity, diversity and inclusion is an ever-growing and evolving conversation that takes place on a global stage. But still, many people are unsure about what these terms mean and how current macro and micro landscapes impact them. So as a society, our relationship with EDI is both personal and shared, and we all have our own experiences and perceptions of it. So me, for example, I prefer to use the term equity over equality, as to me, this promotes providing everyone with equal opportunities.
opportunities whilst taking into account their differences. So what does EDI mean to you and why is it at the core of your business models and the work that you do? Ah, okay. Um, what, is, what does EDI mean to me? Uh, I have a very similar definition of it to you. I think um, yeah, I really prioritise equity. Um, but what it means to me is understanding. I think, like material, comprehensive understanding. I think a lot of business, I think a lot of business knowledge, uh, a lot of in this insight, a lot of the way that we imagine um, our consumers, our clients, ourselves, have been biased by the systems that we use or the biases that we have inherently. And so not paying very much attention, you can build something very lopsided. And I think EDI, or, you know, um, e equity DIE, which is what I call it, that's really going to that's really going to mess with me. Those different um, those different acronyms. Let's see. Let's see how many of them I managed to get. <laughs> but, um, EDI for me really is about knowledge and comprehensive knowledge and consciously removing some of the blinkers that we've had about the way that we build business, the way that we reach consumers, and the way we navigate, because it's about understanding the variance of people, what they need. To, to your point about equity, that different people might need different things and the roles that we can take as consultants, as businesses, as individuals. Uh, to help overcome those barriers or provide for those needs. Um, so that's that's kind of what it means to me. Thanks. For me, um, it's kind of quite similar. Um, I think from my experience, just being uh, disabled myself and um, having several disabled members of my family, um, coming, uh, talking about um, diversity, inclusion and equity, it's definitely more about empathy for me and understanding, um, like you said, Ashley, understanding what, pe what people need and being able to spot what people need before they have to ask you, I suppose, would be the best way. Um, you know, historically, people with disabilities have been completely excluded from the fashion industry. So it's it's having everyone heard equally, having people involved equally, having people listened to is the most important thing. So, um, yeah, that's what it means for me. Thank you both. And I think, uh, Ashley, as well, what you said about kind of the different acronyms and how you kind of say DEI. And I think the whole conversation about kind of EDI and equity, diversity and inclusion, or sometimes even equality is kind of put in there with equity. It does just become this acronym that's kind of thrown around and doesn't have a lot of meaning sometimes. Um, so it's really great to hear about your experiences and your journeys and why this is an important thing for you and what it means to you. Um, so I'd like to talk more about the journey that you've been on and building kind of um, uh, businesses that are centered around EDI and working for businesses that center on on these topics. So from adaptive design and awareness of neurodiversity to creating more opportunities for people of color, you've each founded or worked for these uh, very versatile companies with quite contrasting business models and approaches to how you address EDI. So I'd like to ask each of you, what challenges uh, have you faced within this journey of building uh, EDI-centric business or a business strategy, and where have been the big wins for you? So I'd like to ask Maria first. Uh, so the, the biggest challenge that we had was the actual build of the platform ourselves um, when, when we built it. Uh, it was the tech 
it's really sad to see that from the really foundations of education, a lot of the, the developers don't understand um, accessibility when it comes to tech. So a lot of the tech that you have to build stores or just in platforms in general, accessibility is always kind of left out of it. So it's we had planned to be to build a AAA accessible platform, but we couldn't physically get the tech to build the triple <laughs> a so it's really frustrating that was the hardest part for us but you know the the wins are being able to talk about that experience and you know we're working with different universities now to be able to kind of make people aware how important it is to have think about these things from the ground up um and you know the people in in education are the change makers of the future like this generation now that are studying are the people that are going to change everything for everyone in the future and by having that the people now thinking about these things you know imagine what it's going to be like in five ten years it's there's so much hope for the future i think the biggest barrier is probably not having use cases which I think kind of kind of dovetails with Maria's point in that uh, EDI is, although it's not a new conversation, it is relatively new in terms of practical application, especially when it comes to business. So a lot of the things that you need to get things done or the things that you need to make a change or the things that you need to make a particular case kind of aren't there. So you end up having to come up with your own use cases or find uh, particular ways around um, and so that's been that's been the challenge is how do you frame this journey how do you frame this need to a lot of businesses who maybe don't understand why it's important or even if they do have no idea can't validate that importance can't prove that importance have no case studies to look back on and find it difficult to understand or frame the size of the opportunity um, and the biggest win I think has been learning to <laughs> learning to bootleg a solution, I guess. Um, learning to frame things in the risk of standing still rather than the opportunity. Uh, learning to sort of scope out negative space instead of being able to say, hey, look how, you know, look how many people there are that you could be reaching or you could be hiring. Contrasting that by businesses that didn't do that and how that cost them. So I think a lot of it has been reaching into the negatives of things or the flip side or the shadows that things cost instead of being able to grab them really. Uh, and I think to again, sort of dovetail in with what Maria said, the next generation will be way more empowered. Because I think the more that we talk about EDI, the more we start to track what's going on, the more that we have these conversations, put it on people's radars, is the more empowered the people who are following up will be because they'll turn up and someone would have answered that question, which means that then you can sort of springboard off it instead of trying to build it from the ground. So I think that like there's there's an amazing opportunity in the future for so much progress to be made. Um, and that's the end of that winding sentence. Thank you. And 
just kind of on a on a tangent there, I'd be really interested to hear if both of you have kind of seen things happening, kind of indicating a change in sentiment towards EDI. Uh, do you have any kind of examples that you've seen recently that you think, oh, that was that was amazing, that was really great, or that could have been done so much better? Um, yeah, there's there's quite a few. Um, the difference between when we started out in 2019 and now is massive, and not just for like disability but also for like you know the black creators and artisans like um the for example um with disability you have that the um alternative beauty project which is taking those incredible photos of um, models with down syndrome and just creating really beautiful art with it. And then you have um, the example of like the, the that front cover that Vogue did with the, the black models. There was like maybe six or seven. It was the most one of the most beautiful visual things that I've seen in, in quite some time. So when you're seeing more and more of these things, you know, kind of when you open your laptop, when you open your phone and you see this representation, it's making so much change for the future. There's, it's, it, I described it recently, like, um, you know, for kids in America, when Barack Obama was made president, like no one ever thought they'd see a black president. And now there's, there's so many people getting involved in politics. It's similar with the fashion industry, whereas people with disabilities have always been left out. There's been an influx and more and more people are getting excited and getting involved in the industry and it's bringing a whole new breath of fresh air into the industry so yeah um okay what do i think i think there's been massive massive strides in the creative industry not just in um uh not just in sort of fashion and art but also just in license creative license um i think we are in a really really nice age for black media and imagination. Um, I am about to go and see Black Panther today. <laughs> um, I came back from seeing the woman, Kate, the woman King a couple of days ago. And these are just like territories that are opened up, that, that opened opportunities for costume design, for producers, for designers, for creatives. And it was the, this creative territory that allowed so many people to jump into it and pour their creativity, creativity, Jesus Christ, creativity, there we go, into it. Um, and I think, I think those are amazing. Um, but that's sort of new creation. Um, are there, is there anything that I, I like? Uh, Virgin Media, um, removing gender from their uniforms. Uh, I think is a massive, massive example of how you can inject uh, inclusivity into something you already have. It's not always necessarily about making something new. It's just sometimes it's about reframing what you already have. Um, and there's been a huge, huge uptick in the amount of people applying for jobs. Um, and it's just nice to be in an environment where you can see new fields of territory open. You can see people start to reframe the way they've already got the things that they've got, um, all sort of pitting towards more inclusivity. Um, are there any falls that I've seen? Um, unfortunately, and I hate, I hate, I hate, to be a Rihanna naysayer at any point of life. But um, the only thing I've been disappointed in recently was seeing, um, oh, what's his name? Can't remember his name. Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Yeah, John, Johnny Depp. And I think that is something that I, seeing Johnny Depp uh, lead a Savage Fenty show, which for years has been 
I mean, she was a massive. To, if you're talking about like creative disruption through inclusivity, Fenty and Savage Fenty is like the, the pioneer of that. And really, the fact that you can in you can disrupt not one but two categories, so makeup and lingerie, just by going, how about if we let more people do this? <laughs> Super simple question that managed to tip about seven companies on its head, which is crazy if you think about it. But I think that was a big misstep. Um, and I, I suppose this kind of pulls us back into uh, the point, which is EDI is not just about, it's not just like a, a tagline. It's not something that you adopt for a little bit. Actually, that's your business value. And so as much as you can win by aligning with a set of values as a business, it also means you've got quite a lot to lose if you stop aligning with those values. And I thought that to me was a step that really didn't align with a lot of the foundations that um, Fenty and Savage Fenty have been built on. Uh, so yeah, that, that would be my for the year i want to add something if that's okay just just on that that you were saying about you know the that you have to keep in line with the the values there's i never said what actually some some bad points i don't try to focus on the negatives as much as possible but uh, you know the tokenism is is frustrating um as where where disability is involved and uh yeah people can sense a mile off if you're doing something with tokenism uh, as as the heart of it and especially the people who you're trying to target they'll run a mile if if they sense that there's going to be any kind of false uh kind of false front on a on a message um it's it's so noticeable hundred percent agree. Yeah, you've both made some really great points there that I'm definitely going to think about um, moving forward. And this does kind of help me to loop into my next question that I wanted to ask you is that our listeners today, they're going to be aspiring founders and they're going to be aspiring freelancers who want to solve these different yet complex problems that are associated with equity, diversity and inclusion. And they want to incorporate these values into their businesses, like you said, Ashley, about having those those having those being those core values that are embedded in there and that you don't just pick them up like you said Maria for tokenism um, so amongst all of the challenges that are out there how do you see fashion entrepreneurs and freelancers approaching EDI in the future and what advice can you provide them I would say um, leverage your leverage your difference I think it's if you're a new founder or if you're going freelance, it can be really daunting. And part of the way that you can deal with that being daunting is trying to figure out what someone else has done. Figuring out a case study, figuring out, you know, how, how do quote unquote, how do people do this? But I think one of the biggest superpowers that anybody has in an environment that is more and more receptive to difference is your own difference. And then failing that, curiosity, like rabid curiosity. You know, how, how, do, I, how do I embody something unique that I can bring to this? And then how the hell do I find out what everybody else's position is? Uh, and I think like that fusion of creative energy, ambition, and curiosity will be a massive, massive boost to anybody who's looking to jump into sort of founding or, or freelancing. 
Um, for what I would say is um, you before you enter the big bad world of the fashion industry or whatever industry you choose to go into, look at yourself now and keep those the empathy and the drive that you have now because it's so easy to go into a corporate framework and just lose that it's so easy to get swallowed up just lose lose faith lose hope when you go into these the you know big corporate environments so just stay true to yourself the whole way through when you're starting up your business if you're going to work for another company and keep that empathy empathy that you have now don't lose it Um, whatever you do that's the most important thing that will carry you through for the rest of your life Um, and it's very it's very easy to lose keep that sense of childhood playfulness uh, that that sense of fun and every single person needs an Ashley in their life (laughs) that's so lovely you have an amazing way of just saying the the nicest things about people and it's just so genuine and authentic it's great (laughs) but it's true he's so adorable (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think, yeah, there's really great tips there for, for our audience today uh, that they'll be able to to take with them moving forward uh, as they kind of go into industry or navigate the industry uh, with these values at the core of what it is that they want to do. Um, so thinking about kind of the industry now and where it's going, we are starting to see uh, innovative new business models uh, emerge within the metaverse and Web3. Um, so this year, McKinsey predicted that Gen Z, millennials, and Gen X consumers are expected to spend between four and five hours a day in the metaverse in the next five years. So I'd really love to hear your thoughts on um, what what you think is going to happen as our digital identities evolve and bleed more into our physical lives. So how do you see Web3 impacting EDI and the challenges we already face in the physical world? Um, so you're talking to a metaverse OG. I used to be hooked on Second Life back in what 2004. I, <laughs> I'm that old. <laughs> um, and from the the visuals, like the the quality of the the visuals, and it's so much improved now. It's just massively improved. But there still is that accessibility issue, unfortunately. It's just the tech. It will get there. But, you know, the, as long as the, the that side of things isn't forgotten, um, the metaverse is so exciting for people with, uh, especially with disabilities that might be stuck at home to be able to, you know, see places that they normally wouldn't see or travel places and meet their friends uh, online. And um, I know how addictive the metaverse can be. Yeah. Like, like I said, totally hooked back in whatever, 2004. Um, thankfully, it's come a long way since then. <laughs> uh, uh, what would I say? I think, okay, metaverse-wise, I think, in my view, the hurdles don't disappear. They just move around a bit. And I think social media, the metaverse generally has been a uh, pivotal like i can't stress it enough like a pivotal power in the democratization of platform and influence people who were never counted before people who were dismissed or marginalized or sidelined before suddenly had access to global amounts of reach and that mean that meant some people were getting heard more than they've they've ever been heard before. And I think the metaverse is great, and I think the metaverse will carry on unlocking barriers for those people 
who it's already unlocked barriers for. I think then it shifts your inclusion focus to other people. Like uh, Maria's made a great point about accessibility, but I think there's also regional inclusivity that comes into it. Um, socioeconomic access, like the, the metaverse is requires more, more processing demand, more tech demand. You probably need to have at least two or three peripheral devices just to take part. And for the people who don't live in places, for people in developing nations, for example, who don't access, have access to that type of tech, for people who don't have the money to have that, that access, um, suddenly those are the people that start to become marginalized by migration into the metaverse. So I think it's an amazing, amazing opportunity. And I think the real gains for inclusivity there is about understanding who might be sidelined by, by occupying this new space. And so it will just be about making sure that we're keeping the ladder, ladder down for those people. How do we make sure that, you know, more people feel the warmth of the metaverse? I think that will be the, the inclusivity jump that people are sort of in the fashion industries um, and they're looking to be founders and then things should keep an eye on as they move. Um, something I want to add there is the, the there's something really exciting as well with regards to like gaming and avatars. There's so many more um, disabled av avatars and you know there's avatars now of, of different skin colors, there's avatars from you know in wheelchairs. It's just awesome. It's a you're you're so right, Ashley. It's it it needs the the people that that there's there shouldn't be anyone excluded, and and people are going to have to keep thinking about how to make it accessible to everybody. Like you said, in in socio economic kind of ways, it's it's really exciting though. I just want to get back on the the metaverse. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is, and I think like especially with fashion. If you've got if you've got linked up if you've got sort of a linked up metaverse avatar, then the potential that you've got for clothing that can transfer into games, like I think the crossover potential is massive as well. Um, and you would have so much more reach and ability because you know you might have had like a game you might have been playing Fortnite on one thing and then you might have had your second life account on another thing and then you might have had your av avatar for god knows if you were on facebook you know <laughs> but then having all of those worlds blend into one means that you could be a vendor in all of those spaces. You could be an influencer in all of those spaces. You could learn from all of those spaces at the same time. So I think, there's a, yeah, it's really, really exciting. Yeah, it's really encouraging to hear your excitement and your thoughts on what you think is going to happen uh, as the metaverse and the Web3 evolves and we start to see kind of new ways for us to engage and new opportunities to embed that inclusivity in, in the digital realm. Yeah, that, that is really good to hear. Um, I was starting to come to the end of the podcast. I'd love to hear kind of any final thoughts you have or any tips you have for aspiring freelancers and for aspiring founders on how they can just begin to solve problems within the space of equity, diversity and inclusion. What would be your kind of first step or approach to it? Um, I would say understand, understand what makes you unique, but also understand that that limits you. Uh, having a unique position means that there's loads of things you also don't see. Uh, and so know what makes you unique, but also understand you can't speak for everyone and you shouldn't try to speak for everybody. 
Um, think about who you can platform. Think about who you can give a, a chance or an opening to speak <laughs> instead of you speaking on their behalf. Think about the material impacts you can make for others. Um, think about the problems you'd like solved yourself. <laughs> uh, and that, I think, gives you a great basis for inclusivity um, because it's very hmm, where am I going with this <laughs> it's there's loads of things to do and there's almost untapped potential and you need to be able to strike the balance between knowing who you are but also making other people feel invited in and uh, yeah, that's that's about it. If I refine it, I'll come back around. But I'll let I'll let Maria I'll let Maria jump in. I don't know how I'm going to follow that now. That's that was too impressive. Wow. Um, <laughs> uh, I think uh, my only thing would be just to um, speak to people, keep talking, keep conversations going, because when you collaborate and communicate and, and have great conversations you know things will crop up that you will never in a million years have thought of that you know you, you might never have considered so just always talk to the people that you your audience that you're aiming to to reach and do it with authenticity um, uh, it's it's so important to do something with with a genuine intent don't do it just because you know it might might make money it sounds like it's going to make money or you know you you want to look cool but you know it goes against completely who you are you know, as a person just do everything uh, and be authentic as well yeah that's really interesting what i'm taking away from what you've both said is that the need to have that kind of authenticity like you said maria and kind of think about the problems that you yourself face what are those challenges and how do you want to be treated and spoken to and how what kind of products and services uh, are out there that uh, what products and services are there that you wish would cater to you more uh, where are those gaps in the market and that's something that we're constantly talking to students and graduates about when we're having one-to-ones with them and group sessions so it's good to hear it coming from industry and from people who are actually out they're kind of building these strategies, building these business models, and that it's something that they take with them through through their professional careers too. So thank you for that. So that kind of takes us to the end of the podcast. Uh, I'd like to thank you both for joining me today. And before I do wrap up this super insightful talk, I would like to give you each um, an opportunity to talk about any work that you've got coming up, any projects you've got coming up, uh, or any kind of last tips that you might have for the listeners. Um, so we're we've got a few things in the pipeline. Um, we've got we're building our phase two at the moment of our platform, which is exciting. Um, and we are doing some great collaborations uh, with some different uh, colleges and universities, which is also exciting. Um, and most importantly, just being completely selfish, I'm very excited because I finally um, am going to have my own line of uh, adaptive wedding dresses coming out next year. Yay. <laughs> Excellent. Um, okay, and parting, parting bits. I'd say um, when it comes to inclusivity, always understand, and this is something that I live by, imp impact is equally, if not more important than intent. 
DEI might mean that you're speaking about things that you haven't personally experienced. It might think, mean that you're speaking about uh, issues that affect other people. And what is authentic for you might not be meaningful for them. And so always understand that what your impact, the material change that you are going to create for the people that you're talking to is, is more important really than what you mean to do. And that should always push you to go and talk to people and figure it out because it's easy, for example, to go, oh, you know, I really care about, uh, I really care about anti-racism, but saying that is just saying it hasn't done anything. And if there's no actions to match that, then really it's an empty, hollow thought. So think about what your impact is. The intent might be there, but let the intent guide your impact. If you care about something, figure out how to act about it. Um, I would say that that is something I'd say. And then partner, platform, promote. If you're going to do anything for everybody else, partner with them, figure out how you can make a meaningful change. Platform, let them speak for themselves and then promote it. And that's the nice model that I use for like, in a business sense, how do you partner with people without it being sort of appropriative, without you stepping over them or talking over them? I think that's a nice like little rubric. Um, yeah, that's a bit dense. Uh, and then last, what have I got going on? I don't know. I run a I run a comics podcast for black and queer people and their views on the X Men. <laughs> uh, and so wow, yeah, that's super interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if, if, if you like X-Men and you're a nerd and you'd like to hear minority views on the minority metaphor, <laughs> then yeah. X of words is your thing. There you go. If you start one on Star Wars, I may join. Um, <laughs> I like the X-Men movies, not a massive fan of the comics. Uh, big on Star Wars, so I'm a nerd in that sense. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Asia, Asia, it's been lovely, but unfortunately now I have to leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah no. I actually collect I collect comics, but there's sadly it's Beano and Dandy and all the really old school cheesy Those are amazing. I know they're amazing, but they're not they're not Marvel. Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's, that's fine, it's fine. You know, we all we're 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 three different types of, of nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow that might make us more powerful. <laughs> it's like We're like a mega boss. We can all just like. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, it went downhill at the end. <laughs> I think the audience are going to love this bit the most, actually. I think kind of listening to people and again, a topic like this, and it's all about like being human and that interaction. I think, yeah, it just, it just makes the connectivity a lot a lot better and that engagement a lot better as well it makes us feel like yeah we're just nerds who they can talk to um but thank you thank you so much for joining me today i think this conversation has been super useful and insightful for me i know it's going to be really insightful for the students and grads who are listening uh and yeah i hope that you enjoyed having this conversation engaging this conversation and hopefully we can get together and have a similar conversation in the future 